In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney's. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. John 2, verses 4 and 5. Where is Jesus? He's in Cana at a wedding. This famous story is read at every church marriage service. It is Jesus' first sign, and he reluctantly but obediently changes the water into wine for his friends at the gentle nudging of his mother. We're careful with alcohol around our young people today. Some churches steer clear of it completely, saying it's the work of the devil, and so it is in excess. We see that. When Jesus turned gallons of water into wine, he's saying, having a glass of wine is okay. And in Jesus' day, wine held a healthy place at the dinner table, especially at a feast, particularly at a wedding. In this story, the wine is running out, and Mary, the mother she is, notices. She knows her son can help ease any embarrassment their friends may be experiencing and ignores his what concern is that to you and to me comment and drops him in it by turning to the servants and telling them to do whatever her son instructs them to do. This makes me giggle. If I asked any of my children for a favor in company, they would do the same as Jesus. Oh, mom, right now? This is hardly the time or the place, or no one cares anyway. So I'd use my secret weapon, bypass their excuses, and turn to the company and say, just watch what my son has done, or wait until you hear this. And then they have no choice but to comply if they want to keep face. Mary knew her son, Jesus. Doesn't it make you wonder just a little bit what went on in the family home while he was growing up? And why did she choose that moment to have him perform his first miracle? Somehow, as mums, we have a feel for the right time. Turning water into wine may be low on the list of impressive miracles. Jesus is up Jesus' sleeve. It doesn't involve driving out demons or healing, but it's probably his best-known sign, given its worldliness. Jesus was at the wedding because he'd been invited to share in the happy occasion. He wasn't there for debauchery and drunkenness. He was there to have a good time, enjoy a joke, take part in the fellowship. Jesus wants us to rejoice and enjoy life too. Go ahead, have a laugh, even if you don't have a glass of wine. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. Before we venture too far into the show, I want to say happy belated birthday to two special people, my friend, Father Ernie, and my nephew, Sam. Sam, I can tell you, just turned 13 the day before my friend turned. Well, that would be telling. Happy birthday, both of you. 
My guest this week is Luke Holtzman, a homeschooling graduate whose parents founded Sunlight Curriculum. We'll be putting the world to rights after I've had my say. I'll be talking about the old Bailey, military wives, ghost, Twitter, and foxes. Are you ready with your tea and biscuit? There are some good limited edition Kit Kats out there at the moment. My daughter and I have discovered them. I have an orange one today. Settle in for a really quick and interesting hour that will fly by on this brisk and happy English day. Now, not only are the foxes on the move, but the squirrels seem to be multiplying. The birds are busy gathering twigs for their nests. Crocuses are flowering. All my bulbs are sprouting. And the squirrels actually are trying to dig them up. And the blossom on the trees has begun to bud. It's still only January and the whole of London's on the verge of spring. We're enjoying lovely, mild weather, albeit rainy The foxes catch my attention mostly because I have everything else in America. They live in the vicinity of our compost heap, well secluded from prying eyes, and run across the garden several times a day. Last year's offspring are off house hunting, loosening their grip on the home den. At twilight, we hear high-pitched barking, some snarling and the occasional scuffle. The air, too, is filled with a foxy musk that smells remarkably like skunk. No crickets singing, though. And when there isn't a cloud in the sky like today, in the evening I can still see a little light on the horizon at about 5.10. So the days are getting longer and I am happy. Well, my conversation with Sandra Beck last week... Um, went really well. It wasn't last week. It was a couple of weeks ago. Host of Military Mum Talk Radio. Um, She taught me a few things I didn't know about life as a trooper. Being the spouse left behind with young family is like being a single mum, only with a distinct difference. A single mum can still date and actively seek emotional support and love from a caring relationship. A military mum can't do that because her spouse is still alive and very much married to her and risking life and limb abroad for America's freedom. I've experienced periods in my life of singleness in my marriage and Sandra's observation is spot on. Although my wandering cowboy out on the range called home every evening it wasn't the same as him actually being there. And another aspect I hadn't considered was the danger factor. Children from a military family learn at an early age that what their parents are doing is dangerous and heroic. Faced with constant life-threatening situations, military families feel powerless. Many of them turn to their faith and God for support. They meet in groups and pray for each other and their deployed spouses. Um, A great stress activator I found was the amount of information available to military families. How much is too much? Keeping access to the war zones and minute-by-minute updates at a healthy rate is a real challenge for the children and the adults. Not only is there extensive media coverage through the traditional newspapers, television, radio, there's also now the internet. The military have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and many more ways to keep the family involved, engaged, and sometimes addicted to having to know more. Finally, Sandra told us in her, that her show, Military Mum Talk Radio, helps families deal with post-traumatic stress disorder and other psychological difficulties their loved ones may return home with. And unemployment is going to be a real issue for thousands of military personnel who are now going to be looking for jobs in the civilian market this year. The withdrawal from Iraq is going to impact our nation's economy and affect America's relationship with the rest of the world. So as civilians, the best thing we can do is 
recognize our troopers when we see them at airports or moving into our neighborhoods, welcome them, talk to them, tell them we support them, even if we don't agree with the war, without men and women willing to lose their lives for our country, we would not be able to enjoy the freedoms we have. Amen. The end. Listen to Sandra Beck, Mondays at 4 p.m. Central, right here on Toginet. And on a lighter topic, going to the theatre here is expensive. Yes, London is a tourist city after all, but we could almost buy a ticket to the sunny beaches of Spain for less money than we're asked for to go sit in a theatre. But we are finding some reasonable deals, and one of them gave us the opportunity to see the West End production of the musical Ghost. Now, I'd seen the Demi Moore film with Patrick Swayze, but it was a long time ago. And if you remember, the film was not a musical. And one of the numbers from the stage version, With You, was sung at our pantomime by the princess, and so our curiosity was piqued as we grew to know and love the song. So off we toodled to a matinee with tickets I bought online from a website called Last Minute. We were so, so lucky because when we arrived and redeemed our printout for tickets, we were told that the Royal Circle, where our tickets were, was closed for the afternoon. That was the nosebleed section with a warning for people who suffer from vertigo, which I hadn't shared with my heights-terrified blue-eyed cowboy. Instead, we'd been upgraded to the Grand Circle, where we were in the fifth row and had a magnificent view of the stage. Now our tickets went from a reasonable deal to a fantabulous one. And we were about 30 minutes early. The doors hadn't opened yet, and Malia had a quest. She wanted a special treat. One of those fruit tarts that are displayed so brilliantly in patisserie windows. I have no idea why these appeal to her. I would far sooner have the meal fleur, which little puff pastry slices filled with sweet whipped cream and topped with thick icing. Mm -hmm. But nope. She craves the pastry tart with strawberries and blackberries glazed with jelly dusted with icing sugar. And we found the patisserie and the tart and it was £3.75. We thought, well, and I'm talking individual tart, not a great big tart we can share between us. And we thought, well, it's a treat. What the heck? And our tickets were proving to be fabulously discounted. So in we went and bought one and thoughtlessly sat at a table, which the waiter happily ushered us to. Our service was impeccable and doubled the price of the pastry. We photographed the water, the serviette, the flowers, the utensils, with our daughter smiling over the glorious piece of confectionery, fully getting our money's worth. She ate the whole thing, and I came away with the know-how for recreating the delicacy at a fraction of the cost. We agreed as our blue-eyed sugar daddy checked the receipt. It wouldn't have tasted quite the same eaten from a paper bag along the busy Shaftesbury Avenue. Back to the Piccadilly Theatre and the Grand Circle and the show, which was a amazing. The special effects were all achieved by LED walls and projections. When it rained in the New York on stage, it poured. I fully expected to get drenched in my seat. The illusions for the ghosts were incredible. The music and acting were excellent. The dancing chorus was okay. Nothing more than walking, which was an analogy our resident choreographer would use in Dallas when she taught a class. Dancing is just walking to music, and she'd prove it. And this was really no more than walking. Malia cried from start to finish. It's so sad, she said. They're really in love. She was missing tea baby in Dallas. When Malia cries, she's not at all embarrassed. She laughs at her tears and her emotions. Me? I get irritated if anyone suggests I may be shedding a tear or two. I'm so glad our children have genes from two cultures. I'll keep you posted on the next show we go to. 
And, you know, I really want to tell you about the Old Bailey and our experience there. The Old Bailey is the central criminal court in London. And we went there and you can go for free and you can sit up in the, um, in the gallery and actually watch trials going on. You have to be really quiet. But I don't really have time to go into that because we're getting ready to go on a break. And my guest is um, a young man who describes himself as an empty nester, but really he's only the same age as my son. So we're going to be talking about that and lots of other things in just a moment when we come back from this break. And in the meantime, I am going to go and um, get myself another cup of tea and a different flavoured Kit Kat. So I'll be back. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest in heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm back. I've got my orange Kit Kat right here. My guest this week is Luke Holtzman, the son of John and Sarita Holtzman, founders of Sunlight Curriculum. Luke was homeschooled through eighth grade, then went to public school and on to Biola University in, on swimming and academic scholarships, where he studied motion picture production. Today, he works at Sunlight, promoting homeschooling as an excellent option, if not a fully comprehensive education experience. He has some blogs that are captivating and thought-provoking with links that may take you to places where 
where angels fear to tread. He's working on his media production mentoring website, productionnow.com, loves education sites where he and his wife can go and take classes for absolutely free, monetarily anyway, and spends many an evening with his wife and friends laughing, hashing out new ideas and ventures. Self-described as a writer, filmmaker, empty nester, let's find out more. Welcome, Luke. Thank you. Well, you promised me that you wouldn't do any yes and no answers. Uh, I guess you didn't promise me that you wouldn't just say thank you. Well, good. <laughs> good um, that, that was a really good introduction, and I was a little bit speechless. <laughs> I sound very impressive there, and I don't feel that way. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you are impressive. You're, you're absolutely impressive, and my listeners are just absolutely going to love our conversation. So, um, first off, although I want to, don't want to talk an awful lot about um, your homeschooling because um, there are other things that I want to talk to you about, we need to just do a little bit of a background here because, of course, your parents are the founders of Sunlight Curriculum. Um, one of the questions I have, because, I mean, I love to read. Obviously, your mom loves to read. I've had her on the show, and, you know, she reads hundreds and hundreds hundreds of books. Um, are you a reader? Uh, I do really enjoy books, but it is very difficult for me. Uh, I've said to many people that I have improved greatly since college in my reading ability. I read uh, a chapter in the Bible every morning to my wife, uh, mm-hmm. and since the Bible content is a little bit more familiar, I've, getting, I've gotten a lot better at reading. Um, but mm-hmm. reading has always been hard. Uh, it's partly because my eyes don't track well together. New glasses mm-hmm. have helped. But it just wears me out, makes me tired. But I love uh, getting new information. Um, I made it through high school by um, listening to all of my books on tape and writing my papers based off of memory and then flipping through the books, looking for my quotes, uh, saying, oh, it's a little bit before this part. Okay, it's a little bit after that part. Okay, there it is. Um, So I've learned to adapt to not being an avid reader, but I absolutely love books, and uh, I love learning new information in them. But I only read a, a couple books a year. Um, but then yeah. those are the ones that I really latch on to and we'll talk your ear off about. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm sure, though, that if reading was had come more easily, you probably would love reading, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, my my four children, you see, I'm, an, I'm also an avid reader. I'd far sooner read it than, than watch it or do anything else. And none of my children are quite that avid readers. They have so many other things, you know, open to them now. They can, they can get information in so many other ways Absolutely. than we could, you know, when, when we were younger. I'm talking about your mom and me, not necessarily you. I can't lump you into my age. Um, but, uh, you know... And, and I'm, you know, I, I really want to share books with them. So they'll go and get them. They'll download them on MP3, and then they can share them with me. So they find a way of doing it. So that's that's really good. Absolutely. And um, sunlight's sunlight's history of, you know, I, I grew up with a bunch of read alouds where my mom was reading aloud to me. Mm-hmm. So the audiobook format actually makes a ton of sense to me, even just experientially, because of growing up with sunlight. Right, right. And so did they start Sunlight while you were young? Were you aware of them starting this new business or had they already, you know, run with it by the time you became aware of it? Um, Sunlight started in in 1990, um, so I was about eight years old. And uh, so I I was aware of what was going on a little bit, but I was also eight, so I didn't care about business at the time. I wasn't thinking in business terms or anything like that. So um, my mom would go to a rented garage where she worked in the afternoons, and we'd play. So, you know, I finished my yeah. school, my mom went off to do her thing, and I was doing my thing. So I was aware that it existed, but it didn't have much impact on me 
um, as far as intellectually or thinking about it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, funnily enough, my children still say to me, oh, well, when did you do that? And I'll say, well, you know, when you were, you know, doing whatever you were doing. Oh, we didn't even realize that you were doing that or that you knew how to do that. They didn't really, even though we all lived together, they had no idea what was going on in my life even though I knew everything that was going on in their lives. It's so funny because children yes. just don't see We're pretty oblivious as children. <laughs> yes, completely, completely. And why did you go to public school? Um, I, wa- I went to public school for a couple of reasons. Um, one was to uh, expand my horizons as far as what I could do. I could do marching band. I was already in, in a band, but this gave me the opportunity to kind of do those kinds of things, be in uh, sports for a school um, do shops and things like that that I didn't have as much access to as a homeschooler. But the bigger reason was that I went there to do ministry, um, to kind of spread my wings, try out, try my hand at ministry in the real world kind of thing. And um, it was it was both a great and a horrible experience at the same time um, because it really gave me an opportunity to try out living out my faith in a public sector. Um, but one, I was uh, rather immature at that age, um, and uh, looking back, I see how I really was not living the way I should have at the time, but at the same time, it was really formative in how I minister and what I do today, so it was a great experience in that regard, but it was also incredibly hard, uh, mm-hmm. because bringing God's grace to people who don't want it, uh, that's that's just a difficult thing. <laughs> yeah, well... Um... Um, I know some people who have young children, not young, young children, but, you know, sort of in, in their later teens, in early 20s. And they say that really when you put your younger children into a public school, it's kind of like throwing a rotten apple into a barrel of really good apples that want not i'm not saying you're the rotten apple i'm just saying all you have to do is take one rotten apple and put it in the good and it'll turn all of the apples rotten and that young people really aren't ready to fight against that until they're in their older teens i i lord you for doing that i would be terrified to do that i would be terrified to let my child do that so i also lord sarita and 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 your dad for for doing that i I think you Um, need i mean obviously you need to know where your child is so if your child's mm -hmm. not ready to do it yeah don't send them there but if your child's Mm -hmm. ready to start um to start you know moving in that direction and following where Mm -hmm. god's leading absolutely Mm -hmm. go for it Mm -hmm. so did you keep it up for the whole four years absolutely yep and i actually had a great i had a great time in high school uh, my mm-hmm. senior year was really hard because ministry kind of fell apart. That's a whole other story and way longer than I think we have time for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering if you got sucked into um, sort of other sort of – if you if, if the other side looked more attractive to you at times, I suppose probably it did. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I really liked where I was, what I was doing. Um, it <laughs> – it was good, though, to go on to a Christian college and kind of recharge, refocus, and, and get re-encouraged um, after that experience. But I, I, that was a very good experience for me, not so much for uh, my, my sister. <laughs> oh, did, oh, okay. Well, that's her story, so yeah. I can invite her on the show, and I'll have her tell her story. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you write um, – I know you work for Sunlight, but you also um, uh, blog – and a lot of your blogs that I've read have come from Sunlight, but you have your own um, uh, personal one as well. But I have noticed that you actually have links in some of your blogs where you're dealing with maybe theological issues, maybe prayer. And um, 
I clicked on one and I was taken to an atheist site and I was kind of taken aback. But I now know, because I've read more um, on what you've written, why you do that. But I would like you to tell um, my audience, why do you do that? Why is it important for us to know what's out there on the other side? And this really does go right back to why you wanted to go into the public schools, I think. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. The, the the ability to know what's going on and the the openness to experience what people are thinking and saying and doing is um, a, a a really important value to me to sunlight and uh, so there's kind of just this cultural background for me. My dad is really into this as well, which uh, he often says, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And so my goal has always been to know why people think and believe what they believe so that not only I can be more sure that I know what I believe, but also so that I can then communicate with them in a more uh, intellectual way, in a way that actually makes sense to them, so I know what's going on. Because far too often, in my experience, the reasons, the things that I you know, kind of hear within Christian culture are these things that people say that have no bearing on what people actually believe. So it's a whole bunch of straw men arguments. And then what kind of salt and light are we if we're just burning down their straw men when they're like, that's not what we believe at all. And so I, I believe that we need to know what's going on um, in other people's thoughts and what's going on there. And also, I like the challenge and to see if there's something out there that I can learn or that I don't know about yet that I need to learn about so that I can be uh, more strong in my faith and communicate more clearly with the unbelievers around me. And um, that must take a lot of research and a lot of work because, I mean, some of these people are pretty clever in their arguments. The one site I went to, that 10 questions mm-hmm. and what an educated Christian should be able to answer. Yep. I was going through the, I was going through them. And at first I didn't even realize it was a non-Christian site. So I'm reading it through thinking, oh, it's going to be really helpful. And I'm going, oh my gosh, no, this is, you know, and, and all the answers that they were giving that the pat answer close to the end, um, um, I can't remember exactly what they said, but I was thinking, oh, well, that's what I'd say. You know, you sort of have to be, I'm not really good at the apologetic side of, of my faith. And uh, I think, oh, I wish I knew more so that I could actually argue against it. And I understand that's why you're doing that. And um, that particular site, where's the answer key to that site? <laughs> um, there isn't one, uh, at least not that I know of. No, nobody has put together one, which is part of the reason why... I'm so happy to link to these things because it's like, look, we have more work to do. There are answers, and um, if you talk to you know good apologists, there are answers to these things. But there isn't a you know one central database that's going to answer all of these questions that I know of, at least online. There are some great books out there. Um, I know that we have. Uh, theologians and apologists who are answering these questions, but the question is, do we know what those answers are, and what do we do when we encounter questions that we don't have the answer to, that we can't find the answer to right away, and how do we handle that, and how does that affect our faith? And these are, these are questions that I think are really important for us as homeschoolers, as parents, as um, Christians to think about, because eventually we're going to bump into somebody who is clever, who has a great question, who is rehashing an old question in a new light, that we need to be able to say, wow, how, how are we going to respond to that in a way that's gracious? 
All right, Luke, we have to go on a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. Absolutely. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out GirlfriendIt.com. And then be a part of Girlfriend It, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, GirlfriendIt.com. Don't miss Girlfriend It with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Um, so, Luke, you make um, fil- DVDs for Sunlight, educational DVDs for Sunlight. Is that right? Yes, I've produced, uh, I believe, nine uh, different educational DVDs, including a set of uh, science DVDs, which are the Discover and Do series, and then the Mathtacular DVDs for math. Mm-hmm. And um, do you actually do those from, from scratch? I mean, you, you actually cast them and produce them and film them and... Absolutely. I, I don't do all of those roles myself. Um, I have, I have uh, people who help me. Amber Densmer is uh, uh, very influential. So she's all throughout the credits of all of those. Um, and then uh, my little brother, uh, Justin, uh, tends to do the acting. Uh, and then we get other people from around Sunlight to be in those as well. Um, but I do the filming and the editing, and I also show up in a few of the uh, scenes here and there. And then I also do a behind-the-scenes that talks through kind of a little bit more about filmmaking because I love sharing about that. And you have um, your own uh, website production company uh, about filmmaking. Is that right? Yes, uh, production-now.com. It is a media mentoring website. I uh, like to share what I know about filmmaking, what I've experienced, and sharing it with other people. It's part of that whole giving people opportunities to learn. It's a passion project of mine, so I do it uh, after I get home from work and uh, just enjoy sharing the process, my thoughts about media, and the ways that we can do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the thing, one of the questions that I would like to ask you now is, um, I also I love to read, I love to write, and my son and husband both, you know, write different in different ways. They write scripts or treatments, but they always funnel them through me and have me check check their stuff. And of course, there is a difference. I've noticed that there's definitely a difference between writing for reading and writing for watching. Um, Can you take us through those differences? Absolutely. Um, The biggest difference is that film is a visual medium. 
Uh, and unfortunately, with a lot of Christian films that come out, uh, they seem to miss that fact. Um, they are speaking, they're preaching, they're, do, they're rehashing a Sunday service in their movie, uh, rather than showing the story as it unfolds. And uh, I, I experienced this firsthand in college with my senior project. I wrote this brilliant little film. It was two minutes long. It was absolutely just brilliant. People loved my script. And I shot it, I edited it, and I watched it. And I said, I wrote this thing, and I have no idea what this movie is about. The, yeah. the prose that I had written, while brilliant, did not translate into a visual media. And so uh, at this point in time, I say, if you're writing for a script or for screen, then use as few descriptions or this is what this means type of phrase. Just say, you know, looking through a window. And if you have no idea what the emotion is, then you probably need to flesh out a little bit more of what's going on in that scene. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest okay. change. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the biggest the biggest difference, obviously. Um, and I, you showed a few examples on on your um, article that you wrote on one of your blogs, which it was it was funny. And, uh, yes, that, that uh, yeah, that was from my just, senior uh, project where I totally yeah, it just didn't make sense at all. <laughs> No, no. And um, I, I really see that. So when I'm reading a script, you see, to me, it's boring because there's absolutely, you know, there's hardly any descriptions going on at all. I'm going, gosh, this is very plain, dry yes. reading, dry reading, you know. And of course, once once my son puts it actually into um, film, um, film mode format, it's much better. I mean, you know, the actors have run with it and emoted and done everything that they need to do, and it just, you know, tells yeah. the story beautifully. One of my professors in college said that it is very odd that we start a visual production like film with a text-based script. There's just something very odd about that. So it makes sense that it would be rather boring to read a, uh, a printed script because – there, there isn't that visual side of things, which is why it's very interesting when you get into the storyboarding and stuff where you can actually start seeing how this film is going to visually play out. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose while thinking about it, because I'm also um, a great lover of the theater, theater is slightly different again because you would have these, it's much more static than film. So you've got room for these monologues and wonderful use of language. Absolutely. And uh, it's very interesting if you look throughout film history, the way that that's developed, because early films uh, played out like uh, theater productions. And then when sound was invented, it was like, wow, we got to just pack into as much of this. So bringing up Baby, for example, is just one-liners through the whole thing. There's just brilliant, hilarious writing that just keeps rolling. And then as we progress throughout film history, we get to a point where now we're showing things much more visually. Not that there aren't very funny comedy films with just great lines going through the whole thing. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but I noticed, though, I mean, going a little bit off off topic, the the quick, um, the the jumping, the action scenes, you know, going going from um, what is it? I don't know, bite to bite or, or clip to clip, just puts me to sleep. It does something to my brain. It's just going way too fast, and I just can't <laughs> keep up. I really can't. I'd ride fast sooner sit down and watch a, a really you know sort of good play or read a good book, obviously. Absolutely, uh, and it totally depends on what kind of audience member you are, which is why there are so many different genres within film. you just got to mm-hmm. find the ones that work for you, and uh, it's okay if you don't like some that uh, other people do. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Anything else you want to say? Now, I know you do, you do want to point homeschoolers to your production company um, online. So um, I'm actually going to put a link on my TogiNet page to that. Um, I, I appreciate that a lot. Yes, I've, yeah. um, I've worked, been working on a Filmmaking 101 course. This is free mm-hmm. online. Um, production-now.com is a passion project, so it's not exactly a company. It's more just mm-hmm. a website where I put stuff up. And uh, so I've been working on a uh, Filmmaking 101 course. It'll be a 36-week-long course where you produce a project every week. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just to kind of get your feet wet with a whole mm-hmm. bunch of different types of projects that you could work on, things that you mm-hmm. uh, may encounter within production. And uh, it gives I give you a couple-minute long uh, pep talk at the beginning and then uh, set you free. And then uh, there's examples of what, what I've done, what other stu- students have done to kind of give you guys some inspiration for uh, making your own film. So if there's anybody you know who likes or is interested in media production, um, send them my way. I'd love to help them out. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. And is it going to eventually become part of the Sunlight curriculum? Uh, I do not believe that that is the plan right now. I have talked to them about saying, hey, if we ever come up with a way of mm-hmm. giving this stuff away, I wouldn't mind doing it through you guys, mm-hmm. too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tell people, since uh, since I'm taking so long and working so hard on this thing, the more people who use it, the happier I am. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, well, um, we have uh, about... 10 minutes and I would like to talk just a little bit about why you describe yourself as a young man, a young married couple, as an empty nester. All right. Well, let me jump into that. Uh, Several years ago, um, both of my sisters uh, got pregnant about the same time. And uh, then also a bunch of people at our church also got pregnant. So my wife, Brittany, and I looked at each other and we were like, what are we doing wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And so that started us on a journey of uh, adoption. Um, We have uh, some families at our church who have adopted. And um, so we sat down with them, talked about them. And the more we talked about, the more excited we were. And uh, so we started the adoption process. And everything was flying along. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And then it just kind of stopped. We had been matched with kids. We'd been, uh, we had our paperwork going. We completed almost all of our classes. And then the country that we were looking to adopt from uh, closed down their uh, adoption process. Um, and uh, we were left kind of hanging. And uh, we were in limbo for a couple of years before we finally said, you know what, we're, we're out of this. But by being in that adoption process, we were prepared when um, a family contacted us and said, uh, we're going through a hard time right now. Um, We're looking for people to take uh, some of our kids for uh, two months or so and uh, just watch them for us while we get everything back together. And so we were prepared. We had we had clothes. We had rooms set up. We had everything that we needed. We had training. We were like, we are ready for this. <laughs> and so we, uh, we we took on two girls, a uh, a two and a three year old, and we had them for nine months. And uh, mm-hmm. during that time, we were kind of foster care, fostering thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so we we were surrogate parents for nine months. Um, that was uh, definitely the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it, it was it was amazing how you can learn so much in class and reading books and to, you know going to seminars and talking to people, but then when you experience it, it's just something totally completely different. So after those nine months, 
Uh, the girls went back home. They're doing great now. It's fantastic. I'm very excited for how uh, the family's doing now. Uh, but we then became empty nesters, and mm. uh, the adoption process had also kind of fallen through. And so uh, we were sitting there. Um, at the moment, uh, at this exact moment, there's a potential that we may get back into the adoption process, but mm-hmm. that's still very much up in the air. So uh, prayers are definitely welcome for our mm. family as we continue to uh, work through that and try and figure out where the Lord's leading us next. Mm. So you're, you're talking about all this paperwork you said you had to prove that you had um you know sort of a well i know they come and check your house you have to have yep. to you know prove that you can handle financially having having a baby or a child um in the house and fill out masses of forms that come to inches of paper and, and i mean how, how does how does that make you feel when you're having to do all of that because i mean adopting is something that you know these young children they need it there's no good growing up in a in a an institution absolutely um well both both my wife and i are not into bureaucracy or paperwork or red tape we, we do not like that at all mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. not our favorite thing and so um it was that that was something that we said look this god is leading us in this direction so we need to just man up and do this and so we took on paperwork and yes there there are so many forms you fill out uh they come and they look at your house. They look through your financial records. You have to have insurance. You have to be able to prove this, that, and the next thing. You have to take classes. They require you to take those. Um, and so it was It was really a growing opportunity, but it was also something that allowed Brittany and I to get closer together as we worked together through this mm-hmm. monstrous amount of paperwork and writing checks um, for $200 this, $3,000 that. It, just, it, it, was, it was just crazy the way that you had to go through all of that. And, uh, yeah, some of our friends have said, why is it that, you know, if you can just get pregnant, that you can just have a kid, but then if you're going to, if you want a child and you're seeking to adopt it, you have to fill out all this paperwork. Exactly. There there are reasons for it, but, yes, it it is very frustrating at times, especially when you're writing yet another check and sending in yet another form and dealing with yet another government agency. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, our prayers will be with you and um, your wife, Brittany, and uh, hopefully um, the Lord will see you through this process and, um, you know, you will be successful finally. And we've come to the end of our time. I've been chatting to Luke Holtzman, who enjoys writing, filmmaking, and spending time with his wife and friends. Luke is a homeschool and public school graduate whose parents founded Sunlight Curriculum. He's written thought-provoking blogs that take you to unexpected places in your head and on the internet so go check them out links will be found on my toginet page and also at sunlight um, curriculum.com sunlightjot.com luke thank you so much for joining me this afternoon i hope you have a productive and fantastic weekend and i'm sure we'll speak again thank you so much it's been a joy thank you very much bye bye How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
you ready to get your woo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books, and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to woo Radio, Love, Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jensen Show. Every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com with Leah Jensen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, leahjansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H-J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jansen. And listen live to The Leah Jansen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, our very own Ali LaPreet from this little parent state home catch her later today on Toginet Radio, taught me about tweeting last week. So I've been reading, reading up on it and got myself an account if you want to check me out and follow me. It really is quite nifty because I can boost the traffic flow to my show, my website, my Toginet page, anywhere I want to go just by tweeting a mere 140 characters. I'm not a social media fan by any stretch of the imagination. I still don't have Facebook, but I think I can do this without too much grief. I have a few followers, my children for starters, who are desperately trying to keep up with me. I've turned the tables, I think, by being by being one up on cyber technology. Well, I am going to tell you about the old Bailey. I seem to have time now. Um, it's the criminal was the central criminal court in London, and it's free and probably not up everyone's street. But Malia and I enjoy witnessing the other side of life without having to take part in it. Hubs too, a safe view of how the other half live, as my mother would say. Uh, the spot on which the old Bailey now stands is adjacent to the site of Newgate Jail, which dated back to the 13th century and was where beheadings took place. And if you were a respectable citizen back 
then you wouldn't be seen dead. Ha ha. In the vicinity of Newgate, because of the dangerous folk who habituated the area. The jail no longer stands, but some of its original stones were used in the rebuilding of the Old Bailey in 1907. Interesting, huh? Above its doors are these words, defend the children of the poor and punish the wrongdoers. And some of the famous wrongdoers who underwent punishment at the Old Bailey include Oscar Wilde, the Cray Brothers, and the Yorkshire Ripper. We were allowed to go and watch from the public galleries any trial taking place in the 18 courts that are within the building. And the first one we went into was a murder case. Gagandik Singh, a 21-year-old media millionaire, was beaten and then burned alive in the boot of his sister's Mercedes by his ex-girlfriend back in January 2011. Grim stuff, this. The three people standing trial were his ex-girlfriend, a 19-year-old medical student at Brighton University, and two of her friends, male. My youngest daughter also 19 at the time, almost 20, was sitting beside me in the gallery. It was a sobering experience for all of us as we sat with family members around us from both sides. I noticed the amount of paper being used in that court was incredible. Obviously, no one had heard of the Green Movement still alive and well in the London streets just outside the door. Most of the lawyers were on PCs, but paper was everywhere. In particular, there was a huge log and they had lots of copies of this log containing all the text messages and Facebook comments passed between the accused and their friends last February when the murder took place. The fact that texts were admissible evidence in court startled my daughter. After an hour, we quickly quietly left and went into another court for about 30 minutes and this was an assault case where the accused was claiming mental impairment and therefore not in his right mind at the time of the incident his attack on a train station platform on a woman actually on a train station platform was caught on CCTV another tool in widespread use in Britain and the prosecutors had a medical expert on the stand stating that the recorded evidence showed that the accused was in sound mind during during his assault. Malia said afterwards she couldn't bear to go through all the nitpicky details of a case. She'd just want to say, all right, I confess, I did it. The end. Anyway, the judges and the lawyers all wore wigs, another nod to tradition here in England, 17th century tradition, actually. And um, it was a very interesting afternoon. And uh, I promised my school teacher, Paris, that I would talk a little bit about her this week. And um, she started college last week and she called us. Um, of- she called us in between her classes to give us updates on her professors and on the numbers of students in the class. She said they're about 18 or 20, so quite nice and small. Her financial aid got held up. She actually applied for that and got that. Clever thing. So she can't buy any books yet, so I'm coaching her through going to the library, making copies, and oops, she needs her student ID first for that. The lines were really long, so she was falling behind. And we can do all this from her phone with Skype. It's not as good as me being there in person, but it works as we walk together through her campus. It's quite nifty. So she calls us between classes, even even now, the next week, second week into it. Um, she's also having to work full-time. And the last 
last time she was at college, she was at home. So her kindest mom in the world would cook for her, track laundry and other helpful things that made the life of a student a little easier. Now she's going it alone. It's a lot harder to remember to make lunch the night before and more importantly, to remember to take it with you when you don't have a loving nudge from your mum. So far, so good. Her professors are being understanding about her book situation and have left some copies of their classroom texts in the library for her to use. So bravo, community college. Very helpful. My Texan and I went for a walk when it was really, really cold, which is getting ready to be again. And we knew it was really cold because our noses, the only exposed part of our bodies, started running. And um, when we got there, we power walked to the lake. They call it a lake, but it's really just a large pond. But anyway, the body of water had frozen. And there were hundreds of gulls sitting on top of the ice, looking for all the world as if they were pulling a Jesus, as Paris calls it, and walking on the surface of the water. It was quite a sight, but I didn't have my camera with me, typically. The following morning, our grounds had frosted over again, so I went to the park and caught the birds still walking on water. The ducks were the funniest to watch because they really would rather be in the water. So they'd walk across the great expanse of ice, slipping and sliding and falling just as awkwardly as can be, until they managed to crash through the ice and float off with grace and poise. Looked cold to me, but terra firma to a duck. The swans didn't even try. Too heavy and too big. They just kept themselves the outer extremities of the water where the ice had either melted or hadn't formed yet and earlier on this week i worked with one of my father's eccentricities slides yep he used film in his camera that produced transparencies. No developing them into photographs to keep in albums like the common people did. My father catalogued and stored neatly in boxes hundreds of slides. Neither my brother or I can fathom the reasoning behind this, purist perhaps, but there's no getting away from the fact that I've inherited hundreds of pictures of our family in a challenging format, not at all user-friendly. We never saw them. Well, perhaps we saw some of them once, but not regularly. I pulled all the boxes down from the cupboard with the ancient, probably original slide projector, which my handy Texan had repaired for me, and we decided to go through them bit by bit. We gleaned what we wanted and bequeathed the rest to my brother. As I said, my father had labelled most of them, which helped, but quite honestly, I didn't recognise most of the places unless they were, there were people in them. My father was a great landscape photographer. There were lots of photos of my parents on trips together while we were on, at boarding school. Um, my southern gentleman pointed out that in none of the photographs taken with my parents did they have their arms around us. I also had no memory of some of those younger years. If the photos had been in albums, which we could have looked through and talked about regularly, they would have meant so much more. But I was really not emotionally connected to the very gauche teenager who kept flashing up on the living room floor. Poor plain old me. Was that really me? And that hair. Why did my mother allow me to go out looking like that? It was long and wavy and it came over my face. I didn't have bangs. I, I it just hung down on either side of my face. And Oh my goodness. Anyway, I did get about 50 slides, which I'll take back to America with me and find a way to get them onto the computer and print it. One more clearing out chore completed. Well, how was our quiz night last weekend? Well, places in England make me laugh. We caught two buses to get us where we needed to be. And after asking at a pub, we were shown which way to walk. 
It was dark, remember, and we're going up a hill which was supposed to be called Corkscrew Lane, but we never saw any street signs. It was even marked on the map, but apparently it is almost in the urban legend realm of having acquired the name informally from the locals, but no one ever actually got around to putting the name anywhere along the lane. In other words, you had to know it was there. We finally found some town signs directing us to venture off the road to the Lawn Bowling Club, cricket grounds and theatre. Remember, yes, it's dark, drizzly, and there are no lights, so the way was a little puddly and potholy. We found a one-story building, which must have been it, which was it, and when we entered, it resembled a village hall, not a theatre at all. There was an entranceway and a kitchen, then a large room with tables and chairs and harsh lighting, not much ambience. We sat at a table with people who we knew from the theatre, and they admitted that none of them were any good at these kinds of quizzes. There were 11 rounds with categories like musicals, next in line, families in film, theatre, etc. One round was photographs of silent movie stars whom we had to name, Lillian Gish, Rudolph Valentino, Lon Chaney. It was a lot of fun. My blue-eyed cowboy and a lady who worked for the Film Institute were the only ones at our table who knew any of the answers. Well, I knew a book answer. We had to leave before the final positions were announced. But judging by the scores on the board, of the 20 teams, we were about 10th or 11th. Not too shabby. Well, we've had a few people looking around the flat. I'm not very keen on showing properties. I always imagine prospective buyers will pull faces or pass unkind comments about where I live. The first couple of showings were done by the estate agents because I wasn't here, but the last few have been shown around by us. We get talking and sometimes a showing will take 30 minutes, and this was really wearing us out. So I suggested I show one of the ladies around. It took five minutes. I mean, how long do five rooms take to look at? Then she asked any questions she had and was gone. So that's how we're going to do it in the future. Just me showing them around. Well, I've run out of time again. And um, to think, I used to worry I'd run out of things to say. I'm a veritable motor mouth. We're off shopping now to stock up from Leah, who's coming for the weekend. Does she really want to leave home? I'll be here, same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, I miss you three in Texas, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Luke Holtzman, and you, my faithful listeners especially, Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others who are part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 through 26. Do, 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 and I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.